Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghost, and Bigfoot. Oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, all the way from Tucson, roasting at 104 degrees. My God, PK, how can you stand it? Well, I just figured a lot of people spend a lot of money going to these saunas, and I got mine for free. (laughs) You sure did. You sure did. Oh, my goodness. Well, tonight we've got a great guest. We're going to bring him on in a few minutes, and his name is Jerry Wills. He is the most amazing person, the great healer that we met some time ago, and he's internationally now. Yes, he's one of our favorite people. We're going to be talking about all kinds of exciting things tonight, including the Amanawaru Portal, the only one we know of that made it through to the other side and then came back alive. So we've got a lot to share with everybody tonight with Jerry. So fasten your seatbelts, everybody. But before we meet Jerry on the air, PK, tell me what's going on with the numbers. Everybody wants to know what's happening. Well, the best part is this is a brand new month. And the brand new month is all about family issues, but only because it's a sixth month. June is always a six month. So anytime we deal with that, we deal with family stuff. But primarily, it's about our money. It's a month that we deal with our finances, what to put where, how to hold on to what we have. And it really gives us an opportunity to uh, put some things aside that can make something grow for us. Because we are in charge. We have a better chance of being in charge and in control right now than we have had for a while. And a good part about this is there's some issues that deal with our taking a look at how to learn not only what's going on around us, but how to teach ourselves a better way of handling our finances. I think that in itself is a a very good element. And by the way, one of the things that we'll be talking about tonight has to do with healing with Jerry, but also the fact that this month deals with alternative health, alternative health issues, which is a very positive way to go with the wonderful guests that we've got with us tonight. So all in all, it's a very good month for everybody if they pay attention to what they're learning, what they're being told, and how to take the best of the best out of everything that's laid in front of them right now. 
Well, it sounds like a nice change of energy going into oh, June. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I do, too. Very nice. The best part is well, what we do for family and friends is going to make a big change for all of us. Okay. Besides that, well, there's some secrets coming out. We can't get away from it. Secrets are going to be made known to this to us this month. We've been getting a little bit every month, but there's going to be a bit more of a jolt coming this month. Well, Maybe I cannot Maybe towards the middle wait. or into the month. Oh, goody, goody, goody. I love it when secrets come out. And, you know, I've been noticing, especially on Fox News, they have been reporting oh, a lot of soft disclosure again, a little bit here, a little bit there about UFOs. It seems now mm-hmm. every day I'm seeing a story on Fox News about UFOs. Now, it's nothing really incredible. I mean, once in a while they'll share that Pentagon report and then a little bit more about the Pentagon report. But it does seem that they are doing this on purpose. I mean, you have to ask, everybody's asking the same question, why now? I mean, we all know this stuff is real. We all have known it for years. But why now are they leaking these little soft disclosure stories? They must have a plan in place, right? Well, don't you think that they're leaking it so that when they give, oh, you hear the drum roll coming up? That's what's happening. We're <laughs> going to hear that drum roll where they're going to dump it all at us at one time and go, Oh, we've told you all along it's happening. Exactly. I think you're right. I like that. The drum roll. That is what it kind of feels like, is a bit of a drum roll. Yes. (laughs) A good one. Well, one of our stories on our Facebook page is all about a researcher who claims there is a boy in Japan. They call him the Mm -hmm. UFO boy, and he can contact UFOs telepathically. So that's on our Facebook page. I'll tell you a little bit about the story. It's fascinating. It says, again, there have been a number of people that claim to be able to do this. We've had some of them on our show. Mm -hmm. And this is a 13-year-old boy, Toshitaro Yamaguchi, and he is from southern Japan. And Mm -hmm. he says he can communicate telepathically with whoever or whatever is in control of several anomalous objects reportedly photographed by Edo. So is Japan's UFO boy the real deal? Well, people are saying yes. There's Yahoo Japan and a Korea-based Internet portal. They have both covered the story. And according to their reports, this young man can attract unidentified flying objects or perhaps they're attracted to him. So Yamaguchi posted what they are reported to be doing, and it's all on social media in Japan. I guess it's taking them by storm over there. They're showing several different types of UFOs seen over Tokushima Perfector. It is reflected on the street lamps at the side of the road, and they quote, I wonder if it is in a Damsky-type UFO. So that's a great story. There's more to it. Be sure to go to our Facebook page. It's on there. So give us a like, follow us, and also be sure to visit us at SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. You can reach Patricia Kirkman there, PK, in case you want your own numerological reading to see what's coming up for you, PatriciaKirkman.com, or again, SupernaturalGirls.com. Also, you can click on PK's email right there. And I also have another page that you all might be interested in. It's called... The Real Zombie Plague, and it's all about autoimmune disease. Any of you who want information, any information I find that seems reasonable and helpful, I'm posting it on that Facebook page. 
So be sure Great. to visit it. It's the real zombie plague. Then it does make you feel like a zombie if you have autoimmune disease. That's for darn sure. Definitely Terrible. does. Definitely does. Then <laughs> there's just, just not enough does. places that people can go to get information about what to do. I know it. It's really frustrating for a lot of people just in terms of getting a diagnosis. Very mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. Right diagnosis. And if you don't have a good diagnosis, you don't know where you're starting from, it can be even more troublesome. So it's uh, the real zombie plague is a great page to go to, and it can give you some of the latest, greatest research that's going on that is helpful. A lot of it out there isn't, but the stuff that I post, I'm very careful to post the things that will be helpful to autoimmune patients. Hopefully we'll get rid of the scourge one of these days. It's an yes, epidemic. that would be nice. Yeah, it's, it's outpacing cancer and heart disease by a mile. So the media is pretty silent about it, everybody. So mm-hmm. you need to go to the, zombie, the real zombie plague to get the news on that. I was going to throw something well, else out there, Patricia. Also, is the fact ahead. that you oh, do a lot of work with dreams. And there, not too long ago, there was a person that was healed because of what, what they found in their dreams. People aren't paying attention to that. And that's something you've got on your page that is very helpful for others. Well, thank you for saying that. Yes, I really want to encourage everybody to pay attention to their dreams at night. Write them down in the morning. Learn how to interpret them because they're filled with good information. I will tell you in this book that I'm working on for autoimmune disease, I actually had several dreams that told me where some of these things got started and actually how to treat it. That's going to be in my book. And it's, it's, you can, anybody can do this. There's nothing special about me and being able to pull this information out of the unconscious. We can all do it. It just takes a little bit of attention, a little bit of time. And you can, you can keep track of your dreams now right on your smartphone if you want. You don't have mm-hmm. to be old-fashioned like me and use a pen and paper. But <laughs> you can use your iPhone or Android or whatever. So, anyways, it's worth the effort, everybody. So, anyhow, but we have a great guest. He's one of our very favorite people in the world, Jerry Wills. He is an internationally renowned healer. He recently made his way down to Peru with his wife, Kathy, and he's been there before also. But in one of his earlier trips, he actually disappeared into the stone portal at Amanumaro, and witnesses saw him disappear into thin air. He had just mm-hmm. got married to his wife. Can you imagine Kathy standing there watching this happen? We're going to find out all about this incredible adventure and other things, a lot of other things. Apparently there's a lot happening in Peru, and Jerry's seen it firsthand, so we're going to get him on right now. So, Jerry, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me on. It's our honor. Now, gosh, I'm not even sure what it's start with you tonight because you have had so many exciting adventures but you recently came back from an ex- excursion into Peru with your wife what was it that made you go there this time well we had a scheduled trip we offered trips down to Peru well we used to it had been about 10 years since we had done that and uh, folks were asking when was I going to go back You know, when were we going to go back and uh, they wanted to go down uh, to the jungle. They wanted to experience ayahuasca. They wanted to meet with a shaman, and you know, have that uh, have that experience down there. So, after giving it some thought, 
um, I decided, and Kathy, you know, and I both decided that, you know, that's fine. We'll put a trip together. And we did. And surprisingly, there was uh, 17, 18 people with us. It was really good. They came from all over the world. It was a really great trip. Now, I was watching you on Facebook because you posted some wonderful videos traveling down the river and all. And, I mean, it, it just it looked incredible. And then you'd go and sit at these very busy cafes. It seemed like they were out in the middle of the street. It was a fascinating <laughs> contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, uh, well, it's quite rustic down there. I mean, they, they do have elements of sophistication. We used to live in Iquitos, and from what I could tell, very little has changed in the past 10 years or so. But, you know, they they do have Internet, and they do have cell phone service. And uh, the, the places that we were, that we were taking people to uh, were basically the places that Kathy and I used to like to go to when we were living there. What a nice trip. Now, I know you can only talk a little bit about this great mystery that's happening in Peru with the mummified aliens. But if you could, please share with us as much as you can comfortably about what you know about this, because you're right there firsthand. Yeah, well, you know, it goes back to when we were living in Peru last time. We've lived there twice, once in the jungle for a year and once in the Andes for a year. Because we look for lost cities. And so, you know, we're interested in plant medicine as well. Kathy is really into herbology. So consequently, um, living in the jungle was right up her alley, and it was fun. And when we lived in in the Andes for a while, uh, we were frequent frequent between there and uh, living in a really nice place in Lima, nice places in Lima. We had shot um, some video down there because it's when we were kind of at the inception of Expeditions TV, which now is, you know, it's been up there for years, and all of our documentaries are up there. They're free for everyone to watch. If anyone listening is interested, it's Expeditions with an X, not E-X. So it's X-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N-S dot TV. Well, we had uh, a lead on a story. You know, you see things on Facebook all the time. And it was no different back, you know, that many years ago. I think it was in 2006, 2007. So it was over 10 years ago. <clears throat> and one of these things that was shown were these really peculiar holes that, visible from satellite, look as though they're in a very straight line going right up what appears to be a mountain and it was called Humai, H-U-M-A-Y. That's the name of the village nearby. And people were saying, oh, well, these are from extraterrestrials, some big mining machine, da-da-da-da-da. So we were at the inception of filming our second episode for Expeditions TV. It was called Secrets of the Sand, and it's still up there. People can go watch it. Well, we went to Humai, And it was while we were there investigating that that we got a lead on something else at a place called Chichitara. Well, I never heard of a place like that before. And it was way in the middle of nowhere in the outback. 
And the reason it was so interesting is because we were told that there was a tomb with uh, the mummified remains of extraterrestrials. Wow. So we had to, yeah, I know, we were very excited about it. And this guy wanted some money for us to be shown this. And, of course, we're just, you know, (laughs) we're scratching it, trying to get up enough money to do all the things that uh, are required of us down there, like eating. So... (laughs) The little things. Yeah, the little things. Thank God we brought enough clothes. So, (laughs) you know, we told this guy, we don't really have a lot of money. Just because we're from the United States and, you know, we're down here doesn't mean we have money. It just means that we're down here. Well, he thought about it and said, okay, well, show up over at this place and I'll take you. So we went to the place the next day. And it truly was just down dirt roads and, you know, up and down hills, and the road was barely there at all. And we end up at this this spot, and we waited and waited. Well, it's just really hot there, really hot. Uh, not only is it near the equator, but there's no clouds. It's just, you know, sunshine, and you're really hot. So uh, we waited for a while. He never showed up. But we oh, knew we no. were in the right spot. And someone else showed up, and we were asking them about it, and they're like, well, I don't know where it's at, but it's right around here somewhere. If you climb around up here in the mountains, you'll be able to find it. So what do we do? We get out of the car. Well, we were already out of the car, actually, and <laughs> grab a couple of bottles of water, and we take off and go climbing. And we're combing that landscape. Worse found all kinds of really neat petroglyphs and so forth, but we never found the cave, the tomb this place was in. Later, we met up with the guy. He had had some big emergency. His his dog had gotten sick or something. It was, it was real stupid. <laughs> and uh, he says, oh, yeah, well, you were only about 25 feet away from where this is. It's oh, hidden. I have it God. hidden. Oh, dear Lord. Like, oh, hell. We never really went back there, but we did know from what he told us where this was at. So um, we found out more from him about what we would have seen. And he was was quite descriptive with it all. And so we promised ourselves we would go back there at some point. But as things worked out, we eventually, uh, I think it was shortly after that, we moved away from Lima and came back to the States. And we lost track of this guy. We always figured in the back of our minds we'd go back there and take a look at this next time we're in that area. Well, uh, we never really went back into that area because it isn't an easy place to get to, first of all. Um, And if you don't have your own vehicle, it's very costly to hire a vehicle to get you back there because most vehicles you'd have to hire four-wheel drives. And, of course, that's expensive down there. You're from right. the United States. You must have a bank in your name, and you can afford whatever they ask. <laughs> yeah, so, you know how that is. We figured, we figured it was safe, and we would just get back there at some point. Fast forward ahead uh, to, uh, what was it, um, late last year. This story gets broken about it. Everyone is just polarized. 
if it's if it's not politics, it's religion. If it's not religion or politics, it's these mummies. And folks were going, oh, those are fakes. Oh, that's not real. And other folks were like, yeah, that's the real thing. And, you know, I'm watching some of the commentary. It can be quite rude and abrasive on Facebook, as I'm sure you've seen. Oh, yeah. So I finally got to the point where I was tired of looking at this. And then, of course, someone asks me, what do I think? So I just said, hey, I know where they came from. And, yeah, I believe they are extraterrestrials because of the information that we have. Well, then that threw me into one polarized point in opposition to everyone else that didn't think they were real. And so then there was more scandalous commentary. So I just backed away from it. I figured, you know what? These people are goofy. I'll just, (laughs) I don't need to partake in this goofiness. And then... It goes even farther, and it goes to the point where these things happened, and people said this, and those things happened, and now the Peruvian government's saying they're not real, and this is this testing over here shows that they're just humans, and yada, yada, yada. Well, I don't know if they're human or not, but I do know from what I was told, uh, and subsequently what I had seen, uh, because, you know, x-rays don't lie. And that's when we got in touch with another group that is totally, you know, not involved in any way with any of the things you've heard or seen. <clears throat> they had a great deal of respect for what Kathy and I do and a lot of um, knowing that if we said something was black or white, it was. And so we got involved uh, and that's when things started getting really quite interesting. Uh, I can't go into these details, of course, because what I know about this, if I could tell you, it would blow your mind. But I can tell you this. The, um, those, those mummies that everyone is, like, scratching their head about, they are not of this earth. They're not. What they are, I don't know. But those mummies, uh, the big one anyway, it was not constructed <clears throat> by the Waqueros. Those are the Tomb Raiders, grave robbers, Waquero. It wasn't constructed by these guys. The fellow that was telling us about it was just a simple dirt farmer. And, you know, he couldn't show us because his dog got sick, for God's sake. Uh, must have been his best friend, I suppose. But uh, he had nothing to gain by telling us as much in his descriptions as he had. There are some very prominent people that are involved now looking into this. And uh, the thing that I think is kind of like the nail in the coffin for the skeptics, they don't know what I'm about to tell you. But about 10 years ago, a good friend of mine who lives in Peru was on an excavation with a team of archaeologists uh, that were Swiss. And they, uh, they legitimately were doing real archaeological work. They opened up this tomb, and inside was 
a mummy that had three fingers and three toes that was covered in a white powder and was a, pretty much a, a duplicate of whether one is questioning whether it's real or not. He was there. He saw it. Uh, this mummy was taken away back uh, with these folks and no idea what happened to it after that. But the fact remains that there's now more than um, one mummy like this. That is from a verifiable source. There was another, and not even in this desert region. This is up in far north Peru, up near Ecuador. So there's more to this story than most people know. And I urge everyone just to keep an open mind. If it's uh, just a bunch of hooey, then it is. You can sit back and laugh and go, huh, I knew it was. But if it's not, then there is a door that opens that begs to be walked through. Because there's something truly fantastic and remarkable about all of this. You know, that in the desert regions and in the mountain regions, there are some fantastic uh, structures and and fantastic workmanship on stone that is impossible to duplicate today. I'm sure you know a lot of folks have probably seen this on Ancient Aliens and on um, National Geographic and other resources, including Expeditions TV, because we've covered that too. But these these places that are so fantastic that that have this this level of workmanship, for example, um, if you go into the highlands of Peru, there is a place where there are, are these canals that are cut into solid rock. It's called Cumba Mayo. Now sometimes this goes down. Uh, 15, 20 feet, just a, a big square thing cut out 15, 20 feet down. It's just for water. It has uh, various places along the length of this, and it's really very, very long. It comes across the mountains to carry water. Uh, where there are built-in uh, pressure regulators, so the water always runs. And it's a mechanical pressure regulator, but it's in the design that's built into the rock. And people have seen this when they take a look at Cumba uh, Mayo of Expeditions TV. But what they don't ask themselves, whether they're there looking or they're watching it, where did all the debris go from doing this? There isn't any. Wow. And None. That's, Pretty much what you find, yeah, exactly. And you find the same situation with a lot of these megalithic sites. You don't find the scraps. Even with Machu Picchu, you don't find the scraps from how the stones were cut or Sacsayhuaman or any of these other places. Ollantaytambo is another good example. You don't find little bits and pieces of scrap. All you find is the megalithic site and the ground, and that's it. Now imagine taking this canal through a hill. You go through a hill, they carved a tunnel that's big enough for me to stand upright in and walk from one side of the hill to the other underground through solid rock. 
and to embellish and it a little tall, farther. Tall. You're like you're like six nine or something crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah. So so we're talking yeah. about per- a really tall person walking. So periodically, yeah. Periodically, from the top of the hill down to this channel, they cut skylights. Oh my gosh! So you can see. And these things are visible on uh, on on satellite images. If you go to to uh, episode fourteen, I think it is called Kumba Mayo, you'll see this. It, it's truly astonishing. But anyway, this is the technology we're talking about. So who did this? You know, it's, and it's always fun to go. Oh yeah, extraterrestrials did that. You know, maybe it wasn't. But who are these? Who were? these people who are now three-fingered and three-toed mummies. Who were these people? And what influence did they have on the folks that were there? Now, for sure, Kumbamayo and a lot of these other places were built thousands of years before the carbon dating illustrates that these mummies were once, when they were once alive. Well, we're only looking at, you know, several hundred years ago. So that leads you down another path. Who were these people? And who are these three-fingered, three-toed beings? It's just a fascinating study, and that's the reason why we continue to go down to Peru, which, in fact, we're going to be going back down there in September. I think we're leaving, like, September 14th when we fly out. Um, and, and this because is there's a trip another this is a trip, Jerry, that's open to people uh, that you could, that can come with you. Is that one of those groups that you're organizing yeah. so that our listeners could contact you about this if they were interested? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they can come along with us. It's a two-week trip. Fascinating. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, oh, my fascinating. God. We always start in the jungle just because I like that. But the uh, last portion of the trip is going to be going down to this area I was just talking to you about, Chichitara, um, Ica City. Um, you know, there's a guy named Six Paws Wells that used to have meetings out there in this desert because it's all desert south of Lima. It's one of the driest places on Earth. No recorded rainfall in history. So the ground is very hard. It's very baked. That's why those holes in Humai are so fantastic, because the ground is like cement. Well, we're going to go down there, and one of the features down there is a museum that was opened by Dr. Javier Cabrera. It's called uh, the Ica Stone Museum, and these stones have all of these petroglyphs on them, some of them showing uh, Caesarean section, being performed, others showing maps of the world. The world doesn't exist like that now. And then a whole range of other things, men hunting dinosaurs. I mean, it's just some fantastic. And there's thousands of these stones, just thousands. There's another 10,000 that the public has never seen. Well, I became friends with Dr. Cabrera many, many years ago, and I've seen some of these stones. But it was always a mystery where he got them from. Until he told me. And I've always kept it kind of to myself. I didn't talk about it to anybody. But uh, now there's a connection between these stones and those mummies. 
Oh, boy. So I thought. That's great. Yeah, I know. Is that something? So yeah. I, so I thought, wouldn't it wouldn't it just be a lot of fun if we went down to the desert and did some of the usual things we would do? I mean, people like to fly over the Nazca lines, which is really boring. Uh, the Palpa line. That I love it. You're so honest. <laughs> We're gonna skip that one, PK. No more. No Nazca lines tour. Okay. No. Well, you want to go to Palpa because that's really the oldest. That's really where the old stuff is, is Palpa, which is the next desert over. It's across the valley. Anyway, I thought it'd be fun to do all those things, but then why don't we spice it up a little bit? You see, I thought it'd be fun to try to get to that cave of Chichitara, and I thought it'd be even more fun, maybe, mm-hmm. to go to the cave where Dr. Cabrera found his stones because no one knows where it's at and no one ever goes there. And then to make it a really great trip, how about if we go out across the desert? Now, some of these sand dunes are a mile high. Oh it's goodness. it's like going across the Sahara, but they're, these sand dunes are huge. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to go across the desert and camp out in the middle of the desert, Bedouin style. And then the next day, get up, we're on dune buggies, get up and go to the west coast of Peru, set up camp near the ocean, and then look for something that Dr. Cabrera told me was there. And what he told me was, is there are dinosaur bones and human bones in the same stratum of rock. Oh, my God. Goodness. Wow. What a trip this is going to be. Well, before you tell us any more of these secrets, we're going to take a very short commercial break, and then we want to tell everybody how they can get a hold of you in case they want to join you. This is a monumentous trip. My God, I think I might have to sign up myself. Okay, so everybody stay tuned. We're speaking with Jerry Wills tonight about the mysteries of Peru. And stay tuned. We are coming right back, and we're going to hear more exciting things. So just a very short break. Hang in there. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? 
All Astridium products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridium. Visit www.astridium.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridium, the beauty of being healthy. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, and our terrific guest tonight, Jerry Wills, an internationally renowned healer. And we're talking about all the wild stuff that's going on in Peru and this amazing trip that you, Jerry, and your wife, Kathy, have planned for September. So please keep telling us about this. It just gets better and better. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it's pretty much commonplace for us. This is how we do things when we go down there by ourselves. And we just figured it'd be fun to involve everybody else, you know. Um, sometimes it's fly by the seat of your pants, but it's always an adventure and it's always very exciting and typically exhausting at times. But, you know, Dr. Cabrera, to continue with what I was talking to you about a moment ago before the break, Dr. Cabrera told me about this stratum of rock. The stratum is basically just an area, you know, like a layer of uh, sediment perhaps, that has now become exposed because the shoreline is etching away as the ocean is running up against it. And in this stratum of rock... There, he said, we could find the remains of a dinosaur. He didn't say what kind, so I have no idea. And he also said there were the remains of a human being, the skeleton of a human being, to be found there as well. And he was astonished by this. He was so excited, he wanted to get me over there to see it. And, of course, 
I wasn't able to go at the time. Came back that we would do that. Well, he passed away before I could get back. So that was a bummer. Oh no. But he he did tell me generally where it was at. So I figured we do this Bedouin camp out in the middle of the uh, the desert, which is just stark and beautiful. It's it's just amazing. I've been out there so many times. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, there's no light anywhere. You're just under the stars of the southern hemisphere in these tents. And then the next day we go to the west coast, which is about an hour roughly away from where camp will be set up. To get from Ica City to the western coast, eh, it's roughly about two hours to get there. So we were going to camp on the western coast near the ocean, and I figured we have folks with us. Let's split up into teams. Let's go explore. Let's see if we can find this. We have dune buggies there with us. We can get some distance going and really do some uh, interesting exploration. So that's what we would do, Uh, just go looking around for uh, part of the day. And then uh, into the night, uh, into the the day, in the afternoon, we're back at camp, compare notes, um, and camp out there overnight, which is, of course, going to be amazing. And then uh, the next day, we continue back north towards Paracas. Now, at Paracas, there's a museum there with these skulls. Well, there is in Ica City as well. We're going to see that. In Paracas, there's a museum there with these elongated skulls. That's a pretty nice museum, so we'll probably stop there as well. Um, And I'm not sure yet if we're going to do anything much beyond that in Paracas. Um, So, you know, we'd probably just end up going back up to uh, Lima, and then the trip <clears throat> for most folks, it depends on if they want to continue with us or not, but for most folks, it'd be over. And if they're interested, well, Kathy and I were talking about another place. We've got two or three places we're considering. One is called Markawasi. It's at 13,000 feet. And uh, we go up there for a couple nights camping out at Markawasi. Now, what's so special about it is that Markawasi is strewn with these uh, zoomorphic uh, figures. There's all kinds of animals, faces of people, and not small, but I'm talking two and three stories tall. Um, like the face on Mars, for example. Yeah. Well, the face on Mars, you find the face on Mars right there on Markawasi. So, it's a duplicate of it. And Dr. Robert Schock had gone up there um, and checked this area out, did his thing, you know, looking at the stones like he did with the Sphinx and the pyramids. And he concluded that the stonework up there is older than the pyramids. Oh, my. And Mark Wasi is a very strange place, and if you were ever going to be hoping to see a UFO, you can pretty well count on it happening there. Well, I'm glad um, you brought that up because that was going to be my next question to you. I mean, here you'd be bringing all of us that want to go on this amazing journey out into areas where a UFO experience is really pretty likely to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's and, uh, it's an amazing area to see something like this. 
Now, have you and Kathy experienced any uh, extraterrestrial contacts while you've been in Peru? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kathy wants me a lot of times. Um, you see, when during uh, the mid-90s when I was going down to Peru, uh, I inadvertently made... Uh, made friends with this guy named Rich. <laughs> he was a nut. Um, he said, he, well, you know, Barbara Marciniak had just come out with this book called Bringers of the Dawn. So that will kind of date it when it was, because I don't remember exactly what year it was. But she'd come out with this book. And then here in Phoenix, everybody is walking around now talking about, oh, I'm a Pleiadian. I'm channeling the Pleiadians. It's like, uh, give me a break. Mm-hmm. Well, here's this guy, Rich. Climbs up on top of the bus with me on the way up to Machu Picchu, which is not what people normally do, but it was more of an adventure going up that mountain on top of the bus than it was sitting in it. Oh, <laughs> and that, that'd be a mixed emotion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So Rich, this guy Rich climbs up there, and he seems to know my name and know a little bit about me. Well, I'd never seen this guy before. And so I ask him some questions, and he basically, uh, and very casually, says, well, I'm from the Pleiades. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> I said, You've probably read that book by Marlboro Messiniak, haven't you? He says, well, we know about it. But, uh, no, we haven't read it. And so he says he's from the Pleiades. Okay. Next thing you know, we're at Machu Picchu. We continue talking. He's a very unusual man. Uh, Very, very bright. So he's an anthropologist. He'd been up to Venice Beach. He was studying the culture there at Venice Beach for the past three months. He just had to get back to something that was more like home, which was on top of mountains in the Andes. So... I said goodbye to him. He was going to go up to the top of Huayna Picchu. Well, if you look at a picture of Machu Picchu, in the background you see this peaky point of a mountain, um, and that is something you can climb. It's called Huayna Picchu. It's difficult. Um, fastest I've ever gotten up there was an hour, and most people take you know, an hour and a half. The Sherpas get up there... Uh, in about uh, 30 to 40 minutes. Well, saying goodbye to Rich, he goes off down the trail. He's going to go up to uh, the top of Picchu. There's a fellow with me, and he has these great big binoculars. They were almost like cartoonish. They were so big. And he's looking around, looking around, and he had kind of casually strolled up. He had seen me talking to this guy. And kept his distance. He's part of uh, part of the people that I had taken down there. And he asked me a little bit about the guy. I said, I don't know. He says he's a Pleiadian. <laughs> and a um, couple, just within two minutes, and we were just walking casually there across one of the, the lawn areas of Machu Picchu. And he goes, hey, there's that guy you were talking to. And I said, no, that couldn't be him because he can't get up there that fast. It's only been like 10, 15 minutes. You know, 15 tops, 10 most likely. He goes, no, I think that's him. 
So I said, let me see. I took the binoculars, looked up there, and sure as hell, there's this guy, Rich, sitting there staring right at me, waving (laughs) with a big (laughs) smile on his face. (laughs) Wow, what a shock. So, you know, that went on. You know, the, the friendship continued past that point for several years. And his... He introduced me to the others that he was there with, um, and their thing was they wanted, because they were sociologists and anthropologists, they wanted to have permission to talk to the people who were with me in Peru on these trips. He thought that I was bringing some very interesting people with diverse backgrounds with similar interests. And he wanted to have permission so they could talk to them, kind of pick their brains and find out a little bit about them. I said, yeah, that's fine. I don't see any reasons. He said, just don't tell them we're Pleiadians, okay? And I said, no, I won't do that. <laughs> so I never did. Um, so fast forward, you know, Kathy and I got married, and we're down there. And we're on another trip. And um, I'm carrying some... Uh, a bow and arrow, bow and some arrows from a jungle tribe that had presented them to me as a gift. Because when I go down there, I work on people and bring them medicine and food to these remote villages to try and help them. So they always give me something. And this time, the chief of the Boer tribe gave me um, this um, great big ironwood bow and a whole quiver full of arrows. It was very groovy. Yeah. when I when I was leaving Lima to go to Cusco, they didn't like the idea I was carrying this stuff along. So uh, they were going to confiscate it. Well, this uh, tall African-American-looking guy walks up, and he had the most vivid blue eyes, and he told Kathy, here's what you do. And so she did it, and we got him you know, on to Cusco, no problem. When we got to Cusco, we're walking the streets. This was the next day. And this fellow walks up to Kathy and I and smiles. as says, so did you manage to get, you know, your uh, bow and arrows with you? And Kathy says, yeah, thank you. You know, you, you really saved the day because I did exactly what you said. He says, good. I'm glad I was able to help. And he wished us a good day and just sort of looked at me in a kind of a, half grin kind of way and he turned and walked and Kathy and I are watching him he gets to the other side of the street and just vanishes oh my god and that's one of the things that I've seen the Pleiadians do they they have uh, this technology that they just go so I was pretty astonished by all that, and Kathy was too, because she finally got to meet one. And here they are in Peru, and you're saying that they feel at home in the mountains, so the Andes is a, a perfect place for them? That's what they choose, where they choose to be? Well, I guess those guys, anyway. Uh, he said it was, uh, you know, the highlands of Peru was most like home, where where his mm-hmm. home was. Um, he he's, he had a name for it. I don't remember now what the name of the place was. It wasn't anything I'd ever heard anywhere else before. But, you know, it might have been the name of the town or village or who knows what. But, you know, he was he was pretty happy being there uh, because they 
they felt that that was more like home than just about any place else that, that they were at around the earth. And he said that also it was difficult for them to be around people for very long because the, um, uh, let's call it the vibe, because I don't know how to explain it other than that. The, you know, the vibrations, uh, the psychic or etheric or whatever, that they just didn't really, that they stayed in it too long, that they started moving in that direction with their own vibe, and they didn't like doing that. They could be in it for a few months from it to really recenter and <clears throat> get back to the reality of who they are. Well, that makes sense. I mean, they must be so I, super I finally, to all of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this guy was terrifically powerful um, yes. psychically. I, and the reason why I know that they were Pleiadians, I mean, not because the guy vanished. I already knew they were Pleiadians long before that. Because, um, well, Rich landed a UFO on Saddleback just uh, over Machu Picchu. Told me he was going to do it. And, you know, he was up there with one of his counterparts, and they landed this UFO. And I've seen him uh, do things with UFOs on two or three other occasions. So, you know, someone's in a UFO and they say they're from the 80s. I'm not going to debate it with them. Obviously, you know, they could say they eat rocks, and I wouldn't debate that with them either because, you know, if if they're (laughs) going to walk out of a UFO and say they're from somewhere, it's like, okay, I'll just nod in agreement. So that's great. Nice to meet you. Exactly. That sounds like a reasonable response. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What an exciting adventure. I mean, you've had one adventure after another in this magical place called Peru, and there certainly is a lot going on down there. Um, No question about it. And it's interesting you mentioned the dinosaurs and human beings living together because next week's guest is an expert on the Akambara figurines, which tell the same story that people and dinosaurs live side by side, which is something that our history is not telling us, at least the traditional history that's been forced on us. But certainly things are not what they seem. And here you're talking about the same thing found in Peru. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can find it in the um, archaeology museum in, in Peru. You, you find it all over the place. I mean, it's just kind of a given in some of the ancient pottery that I've seen, um, you have people hunting these long-necked dinosaurs. In one right. instance, there was some guy riding this uh, dinosaur. And, of course, you know, conventional wisdom is that that's just imaginative. But you have to ask yourself one important question. If they'd never seen a dinosaur, how the hell could they draw one? Exactly. Right. It's, it's exactly. not like watching about this about on you know this stuff on TV. No, I mean, they like... had to have that experience. Yeah, they didn't get to see ancient aliens back then. So yes, they they had to have had a personal experience to be able to recreate that the way they did. Absolutely true. Yeah. I, Amazing. I agree with that. And there's so well, many other things. I mean, you you grew an amazing so place. Yeah, but before I go any further, because my phone is blowing up over here with text questions about how people can get in touch with you, Jerry, about the trip. 
can you give people an email or just tell them to go to your website, whichever you'd like? Yeah, there's a contact form at jerrywillsshow.com. Use that. That's where we're going to be advertising the trip this time. Last time it was at jerrywills.com, which is my healing site. This time it's going to be done through our um, our broadcast site, uh, jerrywillsshow.com. It's W-I-L-L-S, jerrywillsshow.com. And if they're interested, they can drop a line in there, and uh, they can also sign up for our mailing list at uh, that same website. I mean, it all comes in, funnels down to one email address anyway, but it's easier to have them do it that way instead of trying to spell it out. But, um, yeah, you know, if they're interested, that'd be fine. Uh, I think that they would, um, if they're really serious about doing it, you know, this is not a tourist trip altogether. There are elements to it like that. But, you know, the, um, the nuts and bolts of this trip are adventure and exploration and not seeing the typical tourist sites, aside from, you know, things like Nazca and that sort of thing. We're not going to Machu Picchu, and I probably will go back to Machu Picchu again. I won't say ever, but I doubt that I'll go ever uh, because Machu Picchu has been turned into a a tourist trap, and, you know, the security there is, is more geared towards hurry up, go see it, and I'll get the hell out. And, and I don't like that. You know, if you're going to see a place, you need to go in there and really experience it, not be herded through like a bunch of tourists and then told to leave. Um, as it is right now, they have two different times you can go in, and they're going to change that. They might have already done it by now, to where there's uh, you have uh, three different choices of timing to go in, and your timing is really very limited. So it's like, hurry up and see it and get out of here. And, no, that's no you know, fun. That's not, yeah, That's sad. That's no. so sad. Yeah. Uh, well, it sounds like so your anyway, trip that's... is going to be an adventure and a half. So people can contact you there and fill out a form or ask questions about the cost or things like that. So that would be, that's excellent. It's a wonderful thing you're providing yeah. for people. And I know there's plenty of people, at least just texted me, that are interested in learning more. So, but we've got to get to one big experience tonight, Jerry. I know PK and I have been waiting to hear this all week. <laughs> you are the only person that we know that has been to Amanomaro, gone through the portal, and come back mm-hmm. out in one piece. Now, I want to mention to you, Jerry, that we've had Patrice Chaplin on the show a number of times, and she takes people to a portal in Girona, Spain. And I told her about you. Remember that, PK? We were talking about Jerry. Right. We were talking you about did. Jerry. Mm-hmm. Here's probably burning. And we said, we know somebody who went through a portal physically. And she said, I have never met anybody who has gone physically through it and come back. So I think you're you're quite unusual, Jerry, in what you've been able to experience. But we're all on the edge of our seats now because we want to know what happened. Well, you know, I never expected this to be a real thing. I'd been told about this by this very, very old man who was Aymara Indian. Found out 
you know, much later that he was a master teacher of shaman. <laughs> but I didn't know at the time. He was just Pedro to me. We became friends. And um, one day I was asking him about this this place. It's, it's uh, Aramamuru. It's in southern Peru, not far from the Bolivian border, not far from Desaguadero, near the shores of Lake Titicaca. You can see Titicaca from there. And I'd been there once before, and everyone said it's the devil's doorway. People go there and vanish. So I was asking this fellow, because he's from Lake Titicaca, what's the story? And he told me the story about it. It's where the ancients come through periodically, and they go and survey the land you know, where, they're, where they used to live, and then they go back to the doorway. They make these tones, he heard, and they vanish back into the doorway again. Well, that sounds like quite a, a myth and a tall tale. But still, I had respect for this fellow, and I said, well, can you tell me what the tones that you heard? And he says, well, if I tell you, you have to promise never to share it with anyone because this is so dangerous. People do go there sometimes. There have been people who have gone there, let's say, over the years, and they've been at this doorway, and it just sucks them into the doorway, and they're gone, and no one ever sees them again. Mm. So it's like, huh, I've heard of that before. So um, he told me the tones. Now we get to the point to where Kathy and I are married. It's November of 19, what was it, 98, I think. We hadn't been married very long. We got married September 14th of 98. So we're down there doing this. And we um, are at the doorway. I decided to go there at night, about 11 o'clock at night, because there wouldn't be any traffic on the road. And the place at the time was just vastly unpopulated. It was just a you know dead silent place. Went there with Kathy and a group of people. And it's just cold as hell, because you're at 13,000 feet. You can't stay warm. So I had on this big London fog fleece, you know, Filled, a down-filled jacket, not fleece-filled, but down-filled. Big Michelin tire kind of looking jacket. I kneel down the doorway, and I start making the tones. I'd already told Kathy what I was doing, and she's like, okay, well, I'll just wait here for you. I said, yeah, you better wait over here about 30 feet away because you don't, if something happens, you know, you're safe, I think. So I started making the tones, nothing happened. And it got closer and closer to making the tones correctly because I had to practice. I'd never really done it before. And suddenly there was like this this presence that just sucked the air out of the uh, surrounding, you know, atmosphere where I was at. It was hard to breathe. And I felt like I was falling forward, like in a dream where you're falling. And mm-hmm. I just pushed on through because Pedro says, when you feel that, you know, you're just about ready to go. And apparently he had done this or gotten close to it. So I just kept going, got a little louder, a little louder, more intent with what I was doing, more specifically pronouncing these tones. And all of a sudden, I felt like I'd just been sucked into it and was falling here first. It was an awful feeling. Wow. Now, I'm thinking I must have passed out because it's all black. I'm still thinking, and I blink my eyes a couple times, and there's this sound like 
you know when a tire is losing air, like if someone takes the tire stem thing out and it goes. Yeah. Whoosh. yeah well, right. imagine if you had about a hundred of those tires of different sizes all doing it at the same time, not objectionably loud, but it was all this white noise sound. Hmm. And then I became aware that I was looking out into space and I was seeing, you know, stars and nebula and things just, you know, I was, they weren't moving very fast, but then I took a look ahead and I was just screaming towards things. And it felt like I had a bit of vertigo with it. Not badly. Mm -hmm. Maybe Maybe I was weightless. I don't know. But now, I eventually point, ended up. Did, did you know that you had passed through the door, that stone door, at that time? Not really. I thought I was. I thought I was passed out, having a, a dream or something. Okay. And know, poor Kathy, the <laughs> other side of that door. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, Kathy's version of this is she's watching me do it. Suddenly, I start to glow with a bluish-white glow, and then I'm just gone. And so she blinks her eyes and stands up, and she goes closer to the door and looks and like calls my name. I'm not there. Other people that were with us were like, well, what happened to Jerry? And so they were kind <laughs> yeah. of freaked out. I bet. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm screaming through the cosmos, thinking that I just blacked out. I'm having a dream. I encounter some shift in density. It's like I was moving through a membrane. It's the only way I could explain it. And then I popped out the other side, and I'm in this white room. Let me do a thumbnail sketch. The white room was nondescript. There was no way of telling where walls and floor and ceiling met. It was just amorphous. There was no mist. It was all very brightly lit, and I'm looking around, and I'm calling out, you know, if anybody's there. I'm still thinking I'm dreaming, but not so sure at this point, because I can, I can stomp my foot, and in dreams, if you stomp your foot, you really don't feel it. At least, that's been my experience. Right. So, uh, I'm finally greeted by the sound of a man on an intercom who is speaking English, obviously, because I understood him. It was uh, with a bit of an accent, but I really couldn't tell you the accent. Let's just say it was like a European accent. It was very crispy and distinctive. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to know who I was and where I'd come from and what I was doing there and, you know, 20 questions. And so I'm answering his questions, and I have questions for him, too. So we ended up talking for, I don't know how long. It seemed to me a long time. Now, I had a watch on. My watch, normally, it was a digital watch. It normally shows you what time it is. Um, the watch face was just like someone took the battery out. There was no display there whatsoever. You know, it was, it was digital, little digital numbers, you know. Yeah, nothing. And huh. There came there came a point where I was I was getting a little bit more um, anxious about this whole situation because now it was becoming kind of scarily obvious that something did happen, and now I'm saying, hey, 
Kathy's waiting for me. I've got to get back. I can't stay here. How do I get out of here? And he was very calm, reassured me. He says, I can help you do that. And he told me what to do and guided me in a direction to keep walking, 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 until finally I turned a corner, and there was this large, gelatinous, dark mass just floating in the air, being held in place by these rods that had these little beads of light running through them. I remember it was more red than anything else. It was just like, you know, no no specific pattern. It was just crazy looking, and I didn't really understand it. And um, he told me that that was the universe I'd just come from and that he was going to help me get back to where I belonged. And I said, I don't even know how long I've been here. And he laughed and he says, well, you have to understand you're in a different universe, so time is different here. Don't worry, when you get back to where you belong, everything will be fine. Because now I'm thinking, I even mentioned this, well, you know, maybe I've been here for a few minutes, but back on Earth, I've been gone for a year. Right. I mean, who knows? What's happened to Kathy? What happened when I didn't show up and now, you know, we just got married. (laughs) This is not good. (laughs) That was a short one. He he says, well, (laughs) no, to call a honeymoon. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, he's saying, well, don't worry. It'll be all right. But time is not the same here as it is there. So he guided me. I went back into this mass. I just floated right up and right through it. And once again, I'm whizzing through space. And eventually, I see a dot that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's the sun. And I veer off to the right slightly. And I'm headed towards another little speck. It turns out to be the Earth. And I'm screaming down towards the earth with such speed. Within a few seconds, it went from being the size of a grape to just, you couldn't see the horizons. I was just screaming towards it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I closed my eyes, gritted my teeth, tensed up, and then suddenly the sound of hissing was over again. And I'm looking around, and I'm inside a chamber And as I'm looking forward, I can see Lake Titicaca. I can see Kathy out there with her head in her hands. And the people I was with, I don't see them. I don't know where they went. And so I'm like, oh, thank God. So I get up and I try to get through this this opening and I can't. It was transparent, but it was a wall. Well, I found the little notch where I put my head, and I start making these tones again. And I'm just freaked out. So I'm making the tones over and over and over again. So finally, I must have hit it just right, and I fell right through this wall and landed on the other side. And Kathy said when that happened, she saw a glow. And then uh, suddenly I just reappeared. Well... Um, according to what she saw, you know, I just reappeared, kind of like the way I vanished. And I wanted to know how long I'd been gone. It seemed like I was a long time gone. It was only a couple of minutes. So I just, you know, got my wits about me, 
and said, you know, we're leaving here. (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness gracious. Ah, What an adventure. And honestly. Go ahead, Jerry. I got a question for you. Go. I was just going to say, honestly, it just scared the holy hell out of me. I I didn't like that at all. I bet. And because you never saw when you were in there in this when you had passed through this universe, streaming through it, and then you ended up in the white room, and you heard this voice of the loud this uh, loudspeaker type thing. You never saw who it was, right? No, I never did. Did you see anything at all in the room? No, nothing. It was just completely just nothing except you know. When I walked, when I saw this black, amorphous, gelatinous shape floating in the air, supported somehow by these rods, but that's that's all. I didn't see anything else there. But you did get a chance to ask this disembodied voice some questions. What did you ask? Where am I? <laughs> and what is the story about this doorway? I, mean, I asked a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Some of them I don't Did even remember what answers? I asked, but <laughs> I, bet. I think so. But you know the the, what did he the things say I remember. When you said, Where am I? Well, he told me that I was um, I was on another world. And I said, "Where is this world?" He says, "It's in another uh, it's in another universe." And I said, "What does that mean?" And he said, that "There are layers, just like an onion." And um, there are layers, and you just pass from one layer to another, and now you're here. This is an entirely different universe. And he went on to explain at some point that what they had done was they had discovered that they were in a particular universe, but that there were other universes. And so their scientists... And who knows, maybe they were the scientists. But that they had, uh, years ago, been working towards understanding the nature of this. And in doing that, they had set up simulations. And these simulations that they had set up, eventually they got to the point where they had you know, put the power to it and they had tried to create one of these as a model to watch. And when they created it... Um, our universe was born. Mm. And they had watched this thing grow very rapidly, and they were worried that it was going to overwhelm their universe. But apparently um, what had happened is it got to a certain point and it just stopped. And it continually folded space-time in upon itself so that it seemed like it was infinite. And... um, you know, they, they eventually decided to go in and see what was there. And when they did, you know, they at some point must have found the Earth. But he said that these doorways are all over our universe, and it, it was, they helped to construct them so that they could move from one place to another very easily. And that I wasn't the only one who'd ever gotten there. But a lot of people that show up there didn't show up alive. 
and some oh. people had gone through and ended up in other places, and they didn't know how to navigate this, so they never got back home again. Mm-hmm. But the ones who did so show up were... alive, they would always send them back. Okay. So as long as you get there alive, they would help. They would take pity on you <laughs> and say, here's the way to get back. My gosh, yeah. I mean, your mind must have been rattled by all of this. What an experience, because you said you didn't think anything was going to happen. No, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I thought it was a bunch of hooey, you know, big, big story. Kathy, you know, she'd be the best one to address what I was like when I got back. Uh, we were talking about that earlier this afternoon. Um, she says, you know, you you got back. You just you just got up and I'm back, <laughs> and I was pretty freaked out. And then I said, um, "We're getting the hell out of here." And we went walking about a half a mile to get to our transportation, and then rode back to the hotel we were staying at, the Taipei Kaila. And um, I didn't say a word on that hour-long drive back. And when we got in the room and I was sitting there and there was no one else around, I just told her everything. And she wishes now that she had recorded it because she said every little detail, you went into every little detail. Can't you remember all these details? I said, no, I, I don't. I mean, it just freaked me out so bad. I don't remember it. And so we both concurred that probably the only way to get at those little details was through hypnosis. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking to, um, uh, I know people who do hypnosis, and I'm thinking to maybe have someone do that and record, you know, whatever it is I happen to say, because I would like to remember this as well. It was extraordinary, yes. and I went back there with a group of people to try and do to to show them what had happened, give them the tones so they could try it. They had limited success. They wanted me to try it again, and as soon as I felt that tug and that dizziness, I just freaked out and said, oh, hell no, and I got away from there. Really? So that was enough for you that one time? Yeah, it was. But, you know, there are these doorways in multiple places around this planet. Yeah, what's that noise? I'm hearing somebody playing tic-tac-toe or something. I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) It's not me. Um, Anyways, we all have uh, these ambient mics that are so powerful. They pick up everything, even what's going on in the next room. Uh, But it, it just, yeah, it seems like. It was dangerous because they also, whatever this uh, this voice from the box told you, that people had come there before, but they died during the trip. So clearly you were one of the lucky ones because you made it there alive, but other people did not. Yeah, apparently so. And I don't know why they died. I mean, maybe they just died of fright because it is a real weird feeling when you feel like you're falling just tumbling is is just so disconcerting. Um, And then you open your eyes and see all this panorama. Yeah, I suppose people could die of fright from that. I I didn't, thank thank God, but I was so... Thank goodness for that. uh, 
I thought, you know, I was just having some weird dream, and I'd passed out, and that's what it was. I'd never passed out before, but, you know, it could always be the first time. I just didn't want um, (laughs) to believe something like that was happening. Yeah, that this was a totally physical experience. I mean, and that, like you said, that might have been what scared people to death, is going through this, and they didn't have the ability to cushion themselves by thinking this was a vision or a dream. And so they could have died of fright just from that, or who knows? I mean, you're passing through this very powerful energy force, right? I mean, something that sucks your body in through a solid stone doorway. Well, and you have to also understand that there's... um a great deal of superstition and belief in, in the supernatural. And when this door is called the doorway, you know, the devil's doorway, they might think they're going to hell. And, ah, that's true. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they don't have a point of reference. These, these folks are uneducated. They're dirt farmers. They, they own a shirt and their pants and maybe one other shirt and pair of pants, no shoes. Uh, you know, they're very, very simple folks. Good people, but very simple. And having something like this, you sit there at the devil's doorway and it sucks you in. Well, good God, you know, you're going to hell now. The devil's got you. And, of course, you know, mm-hmm. it's quite to death. Right. And there was, there was no quick exit either once you were in that room. Like you said, you couldn't tell the ceiling from the floor, from the walls. It was just all one big amorphous room of white whatever. So I would think if somebody landed in there, they would feel like they were trapped. Well, and that's not the only exit point. There are other worlds that this thing apparently can take you to. And who Uh knows, if it just switches on arbitrarily and takes you in, you might end up in some other world some other place. I mean, there's uh, Mount Muru that uh, has a doorway very similar to this. I think that's in Tibet. But it's icy cold. You know, it's a very, very cold environment. And um, it could very well be that, you know, these folks happen to find themselves in that location, freaked out, they go wandering off, die of exposure. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I mean, some other world, some other place on this world. Uh, there, these these places are in caves. They're on top of mountains. We know of another one that's in Ecuador. Uh, so there's another one in uh, southern New Mexico somewhere. We don't know where exactly. And of course, there's that strange crystal plateau in southern Arizona that uh, a kid jumped into this portal and he vanished. And so the locals, they made it off limits for everybody. Uh, local Native Americans did. It wouldn't be until... Was it maybe, a Native American young man that disappeared? Yeah, he was playing with his friends. There was an archway there. And... Um, he was, they were just dodging around having fun. He ran through this archway, and he just vanished. Mm. And so the kids were freaked out. They went back, told the elders. The elders show up. They had a rabbit or a chicken or something. I don't know what it was. And they tossed it through it. 
you know, animal disappeared. And so they're like looking at each other going, huh, this isn't good. So everybody <laughs> was told to stay away from it. Even in recent days, uh, the past 10 years, there's been a man who went there and camped out. Everything he took with him is was there. His tent, his gun, his money, his clothes, all of it. But he was just gone. No one knows what mm. happened to him. Kathy and I did a documentary about this place. It's called Doorway of the Gods. It's at Expeditions okay. TV. And it's so an old story. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That is a fascinating story. Now, I have another question because you were saying, and I want to make sure I understand this, that the disembodied voice told you that they created our universe. Is that what they? That what you said? That they created our universe? Yeah. That's, That's what amazing. They said. It so, was a, Wow. Experiment. Well, that may be true, and that could explain a lot of things. Well, yeah, I mean, we consider I was there for what seemed like a very long time. But here I was only gone for a couple of minutes. Time isn't the same. And our universe is billions of years old. How many years is that to these other people? Impossible to know. Um. I, it just sort of makes my my mind dizzy with the possibilities of what this really means. And according to the way that he described it, because I've thought about this off and on over the years, this thing that they're doing over in Europe called CERN, uh, the big particle accelerator, it sounds a lot yeah, like what they were talking that? about. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it's. I love science, but I don't know enough about that to even comment. Except, you know, it, it sounds like kind of what this fellow was telling me in that white room. Hmm. hmm. So creating doorways from one universe to another. Yeah. Well, that could be what well, they're doing. Who the creating a universe? Yeah, it's important. You know, anytime you mess with the fabric of space, and just, not that I'm a physicist or astrophysicist or any of that, but um, it seems to me that you start messing with the fabric of space, there is going to be um, distortions that are going to occur because it's been disrupted. Those distortions might make the permeability of that fabric such that you could move through it. And I'm sure there's got to be some aspect of these experiments with CERN that addresses that in some context, but I really don't know much about it. Well, we don't either. I mean, it's a mystery what they're really doing, but there's certainly been a lot of talk about the Mandela effect and how it's somehow related to CERN. And, of course, we don't have the inside story on that yet, and we're hoping to talk to people who may uh, have the inside scoop. But there are certainly a lot of things that have changed in our collective memory for which there doesn't seem to be a logical explanation. Well, that's one of the things that's really disturbing to me because I'm familiar with the Mandela effect. And if your listeners aren't, I encourage them to become familiar. But, I mean, just imagine this for a second. I go through this doorway. And then I come back. Did I come back to the same, to the same whatever that I left? I don't know. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, That's is, there, is, there a, is there a duplicate of me and Kathy many times over across parallel lines of, of experience in other dimensions? And if so, and just theoretically, if that's so, um, did I leave one dimension, come back into another, and there's Kathy still waiting for me? I don't know that that's truly what the situation is, but it does bring about some interesting questions. I mean, you know, as far as intellectually thinking it through, because the Mandela effect is extraordinary. I mean, the, the the information about this is just extraordinary. There are things that I know, that I absolutely know, without any shadow of doubt, that are not the same now. That's right. And when I started noticing this, I didn't... When I started noticing this, I had no idea the Mandela effect was a, a thing. And that's what caused me to wonder, did I come back to the right place? It's a great question, Jerry, because, I mean, just think about Beam Me Up Scotty. How many times have we all heard that on Star Trek? But yet it's nowhere to be found on Star Trek anymore. It's gone. But yet we heard it over and over again. Beam Me Up Scotty. I mean, it was just this classic. But yet it's gone from Star Trek. And a lot yeah. of things have changed just like that. It's it's a... It's scary and it's fascinating at the same time, and and doesn't seem like there are many people that that do know what's going on. We're we're hoping to find somebody who can join us on the show and explain some of this to us. But oh my yeah, God. well, I'm Here. hoping to find somebody as well because I'd like to know. You know, the thing that really popped my brain was, you know, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, I don't like watching The Wizard of Oz about once every right. three or four years. Yes. Right. And when I when I watched it, that was missing. Mm-hmm. It is gone. And I thought, wait a minute, there's yeah. something wrong here. There's yeah. something very wrong. But Jerry, unfortunately, we're going to have to end this show. They cut us right off at at nine o'clock. But it's been an absolute pleasure as always. We're going to have to have you come back and share more of these great experiences with us. But thank you so much. And next week, everybody, it is the Akambara figure figurines from Mexico. We are going to be talking about this again. So please join us. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Thank you so much. This is fabulous. Oh, you're very fabulous welcome. Show, Thank you for having me on. Oh, Thank you. you're great. I really, you have great really enjoyed it. Oh, well, our love to you and Kathy. Give her a hug from us. And we're going to have to I have will. you back on. We're moving to Spreaker in the next couple of weeks, and so uh, we'll definitely get you on when we're on that platform also. 
And you can, again, okay. share more about this upcoming adventure uh, in September. It sounds terrific. Really great. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope I can pull off uh, as much as I'm hoping to. And it really just depends on, you know, a couple pieces of information falling into place. Uh, we should have most of that in place, I'm hoping, by sometime next week. Oh, good. Well, this is great stuff. Yes, really. Well, keep in touch, please. And we'll definitely have you back yeah, on. And you. again, love to you and Kathy. And incidentally, the fellow the fellow that you're going to be talking to about those stones, I'd be interested in talking with him as well, if you don't mind sharing oh, the information. I'll definitely, I'll, sure, I'll send you his contact information. He's considered an expert on the Akambara figurine. So he's written a bunch of articles Good. about it. And, yeah, and there's some interesting stories that I've heard about them. They're the creator god uh, figurines that came out of Akambara are very powerful. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, it's the kind of stuff you would love. So I'll make sure to get you his contact information. He's actually in Peru right now. Wow, cool. So, yeah, he's down there now. And, in fact, um, yeah, we had to put him off for scheduling because of his trip. So, yeah, I think you two have a lot in common. (laughs) All right, well, thank you. I appreciate everything. Oh, same with us. We love having you on the show. I'll get you that information in an email pretty soon. All right, thanks. All righty, take care. Yep, you too. Talk to you again. Okay, good night. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.